La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, ding, dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Welcome to a new edition of French Rugby Connection Podcast. With moi, Véronique Landieu, and... And moi aussi, Mike Pierce. So, Mike, it looks like that uh, my prediction came up uh, right last week. <laughs> Unlike mine, eh? <laughs> Scotland by, what is it, one score? I got that badly wrong, didn't I? Just a bit, yeah, what happened? Because we knew, I mean, they were in full strength. But they got some good motivations, you know, from Francis Cabrel. <laughs> who is actually like a songwriter from the 80s. But yeah, it seems to have gone some good. Someone after the game, you know, Tamak was saying that it looks like, it looks like we are in the Stade de France because the supporters just yeah, didn't want to it? leave. Yeah, and what, yeah. what numbers as well? I think they said they had 20,000 uh, French correct. supporters there. That's incredible, isn't it? Yes, there were more French supporters than Scottish one. In yeah, it certainly case. didn't feel like Murrayfield, did it? But, I mean, what a performance by France. They really have laid down a marker now, haven't they? You know, a big, big win away from home, especially at Murrayfield. They seem like a runaway train at the moment. I'm not sure how anybody's going to stop. Again, you know, philosophy of Fabien Gattier is, you know, let's focus at one game at a time. You know, let's not over infuse ourselves, you know, yeah. because we might get burned. Well, I think, you know, I think France were just incredible. It was, you know, their defence was immense. They were good in attack. They had tempo. They had fluidity. You know, they got the muscle. They've got the flair. You know, they really are looking at a very special team. And, of course, they started, you know, with a try after eight minutes from Willemse. And, um, you know, if Jaminet had had his boots on as well, he missed four kicks. But, but you know, in the end of 36 17 victory was was very impressive and in fact Scotland scored a try in the last minute of the game so it somewhat uh, flattered the scoreline but you know make no mistake this was a, a very convincing win I mean the usual you know performers Aldrich you know incredible carrier he carried 10 Penno made the most meters he scored two tries and he raced 90 meters Francois Cross the, the top tackler with 16 you know and unusually for france they made 143 tackles to scotland's 57 which i think shows sean edwards influence so you know it's not just the flair that they've got it's this aggressive defense now and you know it's difficult to to find a weakness they missed a few tackles you know even their discipline was good they only conceded nine penalties uh single figure penalty counts you know, a classed as a success. So, as I say, it's very difficult to know how you beat this team. And it was the first time in how many years that France won the Old Cup? And it was actually uh, given by, and uh, I'm being disrespectful, by Princess Anne, I beg your pardon, Princess Anne, to the King uh, Antoine Dupont. Well, there you go. I know you. I know you've come from a republic, but you know you've got to treat the royal to respect. <laughs> of course, of course. And you know she's very much uh, into rugby. Oh yeah, massive, massive Scotland because, fan, isn't she? Yeah. 
Yeah. So who knows? There might be some little tin dolls, you know, playing rugby. I think he's got two girls and one boy now. So yeah. yeah. That would be interesting. So because you are Welsh and because we've got loads <laughs> of Welsh listeners as well, following the research I've done. Well, a very, very poor start, uh, as usual. You know, gave away a 17-0 lead and then they started playing. They came to life. Two tries in seven minutes from Josh Adams and Nick Tompkins. Brought it back to 17-12. Last minute try from Hardy. You know, wheels were 23-19 with a minute to play. And, you know, playing some some scintillating rugby. But, you know, once again, poor start, which which made a point of emphasising they were going to ensure that they did have a good start because it is a weakness of theirs. But England thrashed Wales at the breakdown. And you know, it was only the second half, really, Wales, Wales started playing. As I say, there were, was a big improvement there. But, you know, you cannot give teams like England a 17 points lead. And, you know, it doesn't, bear thinking about if they make a poor start against France in Cardiff. But there were signs there. You know, Thomas Williams, the scrum half, played well. Tulipe Falata was back. Alex Cuthbert played well. So there is, I wouldn't say optimism, but there is certainly signs of improvement. But, you know, you know, make no mistake, Wales against France in Cardiff is going to, you know, for Wales, it's going to be a really, really tough challenge. And let's not forget, actually, you know, I have to praise Wales because second half, they played so much, so much better than yeah. the first half. So you're absolutely right. You know, there is some, it's still a team to be, to be, to be aware of. You never know with the Welsh. Yeah, but, you know, the more I see this French team, the more I think that you, it's very difficult to find a weakness because... You know, if one facet doesn't work, another facet will. They've got players who, you know, even if uh, you look at their bench, you know, it's so much strength. And, of course, they've got competition for places. And in a squad, that is essential because anyone, nobody's guaranteed their place in that French team because the, the players behind them are equally talented. So they know if they get a bad game, they could be out. So it really spurs them on if they need spurring on. You know, they're only one mistake away from being dropped. So that really, you know, gives them even extra motivation. So, And I don't think they'll come to Cardiff with any fears. You know, two years ago, they came to Cardiff. Dupont and Tamak were, were very young in their international career. There was talk that they would find Cardiff intimidating. You know, they might crack under the pressure. But, you know, they were, they, they were the stars of the game. They controlled matters. So, you know, two years on with even more experience, I don't think there's a... I don't think the French team will, will fear the atmosphere in Cardiff. No, I don't think so. Been there, done that. Obviously, they have grown in uh, experience and maturity. Yeah. And uh, actually, you know, let's talk about um, the history of French of the uh, the French team beating the Welsh in in Cardiff. I believe in nineteen ninety eight. I shouldn't laugh, really. Yeah, well, actually, be that that wasn't in Cardiff. Actually, that was in Wembley. You are right, and you were there, and the score was, I mean, uh, they got... They, 51-0. They got massacred. What happened, Mike? Well, France were inspired that day with Thomas Castagnier and Jean-Luc Sardoni, Philippe Benatzal on the wing. It's just absolutely incredible. But, you know, they haven't had... You know, it's difficult to say... It's, it's one thing to say France have had a poor record at Cardiff over the last 10 years, but 
you know, France, until two years ago, France were quite a poor team. So it doesn't have much significance. You know, this team, as I say, I don't think will will fear anyone. But but Wales, again, you know, they will take pride. It will motivate them. They've only lost two out of their last 12 games, Six Nations games in Cardiff. So that's a proud record they want to keep. So I don't think they'll be short of motivation. So you know, it's on a Friday night in Cardiff, eight o'clock kickoff. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere down there. I think. Will you be there, Mike? I will. I'll be reporting for Welsh Radio. So yeah, very much looking forward to that. That's yeah. So we're talking about going to take place on a Friday evening. Why on a Friday evening? Why not on a Saturday? Why? Well, you know, it's quite common, or has been common in recent years, for Six Nations matches to be played on a Friday night. I think it's mainly for the TV audience. You know, primetime TV on a Friday night, they'll get massive figures. And, yeah, the only problem will be trying to get out of Cardiff. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, but, you know, if, if Wales win, nobody will care about getting out of Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see there's been announced the list of the 42 players yeah, yeah. today so not much changes there unless you know obviously uh, a bad luck that Tamak and Kors and the others you know get COVID and of course um, Fabian Galti announces the team to play Wales next Wednesday at um, 11 o'clock British time 12 o'clock French time so, you know, I don't think there'll be any surprises in that team. The team pretty much uh, picks itself at the moment, doesn't it? I think Moifana had a great game on the wing, didn't he? Moved him from centre, he got a try. So I can't really see any changes in that team, to be honest. Correct. Uh, I'm going to use my favourite phrase. It'll probably be the, the usual <laughs> suspects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so from your Welsh perspective, how do you think when Pivac and his men are going to prepare for the game? Well, I think, you know, the important thing, they've got to get a good start. I mean, this has been the real weakness. They've got to match France physically. Uh, you know, their kicking game's got to be spot on because France have been so good from loose kicks and from turnovers. You know, Wales have really got to play a precise game um, and just really do all the basics very well and you know hope they can get enough ball i think we've got backs to score tries but you know that's a powerful french unit and very good at the breakdown so yeah the big worry is getting enough ball i think to 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 trouble the french but you know rugby's a funny old game isn't it you never know Exactly, exactly. You thought that uh, Scotland would have just... I think all sorts of things. <laughs> I wouldn't pay much attention to what I think in future. So you started with the Bleu Bleu, uh, you played the Fifth Nation, and off you went. You won the Grand Slam. Yeah, it's right. It's right. When I started in '86, after in '87, '86 uh, at the end of the in November '86, we beat New Zealand, and after in '87, we 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 won the Grand Slam before just the World Cup. And this generation was a, a strong team, very very I would say uh, amazing. There is a 
amazing or not amazing, but there is a, a, a big vibes, you know. It was a, most of talent with Blanco, Cela, but there is a, a very a strong collective. Collective, c'est what you say? Yes, you can say, you can say, yes. Cohesion, cohesion. Cohesion, yes. And, uh, and, and the, the thing is, we, we, we're very friendly. We are friendly with, together. So we go to the World Cup like, you know, some uh, friends and we say, okay, we see. Because it was the first World Cup and we say, we, we didn't imagine what happened when we, we arrived in New Zealand. But it was fantastic because we, we were like the first, you know, we were the first. So I remember the first match against Scotland. I was uh, in a changing room. I say, oh my God, I, I played the first match of a World Cup of rugby. So it was amazing. And the first time we met all the nationality around and uh, it was very convivial. It was so, so, so great. This, this World Cup was so fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, we lost in the final, but we were, we were so tired. So we, we never imagined we can arrive in the final. So when we beat uh, Australia in Sydney, It was like we play uh, our finals. So when we arrived in final in your club, we were so tired, so so tired. <laughs> we we have we 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 have not the energy to win. You know, no more. That's the point. When you won the and, Grand Slam, when you won the Grand Slam in '87, so what stadium was it in? And does that matter for the celebrations? In Dublin, Dublin, of course. We won, we won in Dublin at this time. It was a, there was a fantastic team with Brendan Mullin, Hugo McNeil, fantastic players. And we, it was a tough match, very strong match. And we won. It was so difficult to win. Eric Champ scored two tries, I remember. We, we won and we, we won in the Grand Slam in Dublin, in the, in the London Road. It was so symbolic for me yes. because I love this stadium. I love this time. It is. And, it... I lo I, and I love Irish. Tell me, when you used to play against, you know, les, les Anglais. In fact, I, I, I always uh, like uh, English. I was, sometimes we said French hate English. Yes. I, never, I, I always like, you know, it's, it's true. Because <laughs> I, was I was friendly with, what's his name? Or, or I don't know, I was al al always... Uh, Likes the way of life, in fact. Yes. Uh, it corresponds. It, it corresponds what my way of life. Yes. Because uh, uh, all, 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 well, always, always, we, we, sometimes uh, we think there is a arrogance, arrogance, arrogance. But yes. For me, they, for me, they never be arrogant. Are, are you sure? Do, do, do you remember? I, 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 I have a story to, to tell you. There is a fullback, I, I didn't remember his name, a fullback in 81. What is his name? Marcus Ross. 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 Tom Ross. Marcus Ross. And uh, 15 years or 20 years after, I go to, to London for a meeting, for a job with to Bernard Laporte also, uh, the French president, who is my friend and we have a project and uh, we have a meeting in London. And a guy tell me, I have to introduce somebody who works with us. And I say, okay. And as uh, the guy is coming, it was Marcus Ross. And I, I, I play against him many times. And so we talk and Marcus Ross said, 
Dennis was the only players who comes after the game and talk to us. So it was amazing to for me. It was, I was very proud of what he said because I, I have listened. I listened. I didn't know because mm-hmm. I was natural. For me, it was natural to talk to, to them. Yeah. But he says that Dennis was the only only player who comes and, and talks with us. Uh, so it's voilà. That's the reason I, I like English. So I, I didn't. I didn't like. Yeah, that, that, that. and rugby is very important. Also, with the showbiz, the barbarians, yeah. even in professionalism, there is time to, uh, yes. to share a glass of beer with someone. And before we talk about showbiz, another passage from our friend David Beresford was Frank Menel describes him talking about you as a supreme finisher and Will Carling was always very wary of his searing pace and elusiveness. So you got, uh, yeah, you had some, some admirer from one of the youngest captain uh, in England, which was, I think, Will Carling, who was 22 years old, he became captain. I think you are right. And it's always love and hate type of relationship between English and French. We love and we hate each other. It's a l'entente cordiale, one one another. But yeah. Let's talk about Les Années Chobies. So you had brilliant years with Le Toulouse. Then you felt, right, okay, I'm going to go to Paris, to Racing Metro. It wasn't called Racing oui. Metro. It was called... Racing Club de France. Yes, exactly. And again, fantastic time. Can you tell me, our listener, more about it? Well, um, I, I, in Toulouse, I, I was... Um, I was... I won everything, so... I wanted to change, change hair. Yes. But I, wa- I want to discover another life, another situation, yes. another city. And I, I love the spirit of showbiz and Eden Park and Frank. All, all they down, all they did, it was fascinating, fascinated me. Yes. Because it was very uh, modern and courageous. Yes. Because it was not, it was not so easy to do that with that in the, our sport. Mm-hmm. They do everything. They do, uh, but so uh, I really want to, to go to Paris and play for Racing Club de France. For mm-hmm. me, it was a it was a time. I I was I had 28, so I won three championship in, in Toulouse. So it was uh, the time to, to change. It was complicated at the beginning because uh, in Toulouse I was very famous. And when you, you arrive in Paris, you're not famous. Uh, no, nobody care about what you do. So it was a little bit complicated at the beginning in Paris, but after it was amazing, amazing to to live his, uh, his life uh, with, with my friend. Yes, definitely. And you know what? That reminds me, Dan Carter really enjoyed playing in Paris because he was saying when he was in Paris, nobody recognized him, so he could walk anywhere, really. But just to set the scene, you know, what I'm, what we mean by the business years is, the business years is that they were a, a bunch of players led by Franck Menel, uh, Lafon, I'm missing, Eric Blanc and others who really wanted to shake up a little bit, you know, the French rugby, which had that 
out-of-date image. It was very much a sport played in the Southwest with people wearing cap. Well, not, I mean, with the spectators. And what you did is you were a bunch of good friends. You were amateurs. You were bright. You were good looking. And you decided to check up. What did you do to create some publicity for rugby and for racing as well? It was, like you said, 40, 40, they were crazy. So, so they'd be crazy, but... In fact, they were, they were very courageous to do what they did. They changed all the mentality of rugby in France. And they were uh, very romantic, in fact. And so, uh, me, I follow, I follow them. I was, I was maybe crazy inside me, but so I just follow the, the, the road. Yes, yeah, you follow them. And uh, you wore a uh, uh, papillon, so a bow tie when you played. You, you wore a beret basque when you played against Bayonne to celebrate one of your colleagues, your teammate's birthday. Black, you, black pa- you painted yourself black. And you used to go to nightclubs as well, once a week and party and drink champagne. And... Oh, yeah, yeah, it was... <laughs> Well, it was uh, another time, another time. Today is not <laughs> the same, but it was a time of uh, l'insouciance, la youngest, la jeunesse, la jeunesse. You're young and carefree. Yeah, it was a part of liberty and extraordinary. Voilà. Yes. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell me about something you else you champ- did. Denis, when you drank champagne in half time with Racing yeah. Metro, yeah. who paid for the champagne? Was it the sponsorship? <laughs> or was it the yeah, chairman? No, 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 no. I, I don't think the chairman is us. <laughs> we pay. We pay. Fantastic. No, no, we pay. And what a wonderful gesture, because everybody remembers that, you know, you were so smart, you know, and you drank your champagne from flute and you won the game as well, which is, ama- which is amazing. So anyway, so one thing we haven't talked about is your role in Barbarian. You played loads yeah. of, of games with Barbarian and you, are, you still, well, you've got a, a role there as well. Yeah, I played 15 times with Barbarian. Uh, I had a chance, uh, a chance uh, incredible to, to win, to play with this team. Who's the president is Jean-Pierre And after, I am, from 10 years, I, I am the manager of the team. So it's kind of... Uh, I, I give what I what really give me before, so uh, it's really I give all my all my time to consecrate uh, to to share with these young players to come to be to put them in the comfort of playing the game. So, yes, yeah, it's a fantastic. Always a speech before the way when when they come and I said you are men uh, free men, but you have to but to be a free players. The big difference is that if you are a free players, you have to be responsible. 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 Yes. So it's your, your it's, I say to the captain, it's your team, you have to take care of your, your players. Me, I'm here with the, my staff to just to, to put you on your comfort. So yes. it's a part of, of freedom. My yes. is the freedom of life. Yes. Freedom for playing, freedom of playing, freedom of, of inspiration. Voilà, c'est, c'est paradise. That's <laughs> wonderful. We've got one minute left. Don't know whether we've got time, but now, what, what do you, what do you do now? You so you commentate. I, I am in a show in a, a 
radio in France, so called Radio Monte Carlo, FMC. Yes. Had, uh, big successful in, uh, during the week. Yes. And sometimes I, com I comment a uh, match, rugby match of French team. Uh, Brilliant. And you do some, uh, some uh, movies as well. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I try it. Amazing. Hey, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Well, do you know, it's been monopolised, hasn't it, with, with Six Nations news? Yeah, I mean, there's been top 14 action, obviously. There's there's top 14 games this weekend. Castra play Montpellier. Biarritz are at home to Toulon. Bordeaux, they face Poe. La Rochelle at home to Brive. Pepignon face Racing. And Clermont Auvergne face Lyon. They're all on Saturday. And then on Sunday, 8 o'clock, it's Stade Francais against Toulouse. So it's going to be a, a pretty packed uh, weekend of rugby again. And again, I have to mention Toulon. Toulon got beaten at Brive. Yeah, it was very tight. But yeah, it's it's not it's not going any it's not getting any better regarding Toulon. I think that's their seven defeats in the last seven games. I hope I'm not wrong. If I am, I do apologize in advance to our listeners. But they are they are. They remind me of Montpellier last year when they kept Yeah, exactly. It's funny, isn't it? And you think of the talent they've got. You know, they're down in 12th, third from bottom, with only Pepignon and, and Biarritz below them. So they're in a pretty precarious position. They've got a couple of games in hand. They've only played 17, while most teams have played 18 or 19 games. But even so, you know, I can't see them getting anywhere near the the playoffs this season. You know, Bordeaux still top, one point clear of Montpellier. Leon in third, Racing are in fourth, Castra fifth, Toulouse surprisingly down in sixth. They've had a bit of a bad run. La Rochelle in seventh, Stade Francais eight, Clermont Auvergne in ninth, Brive in tenth, Poe in eleventh, and as I say, Toulon twelfth, Pepignon thirteenth, and Biarritz fourteenth. So yeah, the top six are looking. Pretty safe now. I say Bordeaux, Montpellier, Lyon, Racing, Castres, Toulouse, La Rochelle are there or thereabouts. But then the gap starts to widen, and of course, it's the it's the top six that go on to the the knockout stages, and you know, which is creeping ever closer. Yeah, how many weeks now? I'm trying to think because what is it now? It's March, isn't it? So April, May. It's only another couple of months, and uh, we'll be into the barrage. And then the semi-finals in Nice, and then the the final in, in Stade de France. So uh, yeah, yeah, it all come around very quickly. I think. I think they only have six, seven, and ten. Yeah, probably. Know, yeah, so yeah. Not not that long. So too long. You know, really need to perform miracles as well. Stade Français, Stade Français is not where they should be. I raise my beret to Castres because yeah, yeah. comparing to last year, you know, they're quite small small team they don't have the budget and you know Toulouse at least they've got the comfort of having the international players back I mean Toulon have only got a couple so they can't even use that excuse uh, you know you know Toulouse provide a massive amount don't they to the national squad so you can you can almost understand why their results have, have faltered but you know Bordeaux keep going strong don't they they've played 18-1-12 only lost five so yeah yes yeah, looking uh 
pretty competitive at the top, certainly the top two or three. Yeah, absolutely. French lesson. Oh, yes. I've been looking forward to this all week. My French is so fluent. What are the nicknames of Antoine Dupont? Something a bit more. <sighs> bad. Le ministre de l'Intérieur, which yeah. is Interior okay. Minister of Space, because, you know, he's, he's on a pitch, you know, to sort everybody's... <laughs> I'll tell you what, he'll be, he'll, he'll be mid-king if uh, France win the Grand Slam. I'll tell you. Oh, you bet, you bet. Not long, two more games, but... Again, you know, one game at a time. Yeah, you know, but it's, thing... it's, it's only two games to go, isn't it? So, I mean... I know. I mean, can you imagine, you know, assuming France beat Wales, can you imagine final game, everything at stake, France against the English? I mean, it, you know, it's stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a really, really interesting one. <sighs> lots of, lots of passion especially from the likes of Brian Moore et all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be tasty, that's for sure. Yes. So, rugby friends, I hope you enjoy our French Rugby Connection podcast, uh, mostly focused on the Six Nations and Top 14. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. That's okay. And next week we'll be looking in more detail at obviously the Six Nations, Wales v France, looking back on last week's top 14 and uh, saying a few prayers, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I'll have to go to Lourdes and, you know, no, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> well, again, you know, one game at a time. You mustn't forget, never, ever take anything for granted, you know, in this life, especially in rugby. Anything yeah, can happen. And especially, so. especially in Pays de Galles. <laughs> yeah. we'll see whether I can make that trip if I can <laughs> that would be fun la pendule fait tic tac tic tic les oiseaux du lac pic tac pic pic glou 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 font tous les dindons et la jolie cloche ding ding dong mais boum quand notre cœur fait boum tout avec lui dit boum et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille